Dear congregation, let us turn in God's holy word to Romans chapter 6. Sorry, Romans chapter 7, and we'll read through chapter 8, verse 11. We'll read Romans chapter 7. What we recognize here is that in the context of Romans that uh, we have that glorious deliverance set forth in Romans 5 and 6, that there is in Jesus Christ that grace is superabounding for those who, who know their sinfulness and, and as they recognize this, that, that they can know their status of, of being in Christ, raised with Him in newness of life and and um, so we've, we've died with Him, we've been buried with Him, our sins are, are washed away, and now we're risen with Him in newness of life. But then as we go on, we find in Romans chapter 7, there still is this aspect of an already but not yet aspect to our spiritual life and our spiritual journey as we are being prepared for eternal life. And Paul here is opening his heart and enlarging his heart for us and giving us a glimpse into his soul as we find this recorded for us in Romans 7. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. And so if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been being delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. <clears throat> what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. But I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me though through what is good. So that sin, through the commandment, 
might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. For if I do what I will not for to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. I find then a law, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. May God bless the reading of His precious and infallible Word and add His blessing to the exposition of it. Before we turn to the exposition of it, I would like to also uh, hear what we confess in Lord's Day 44 regarding uh, the law of God. 
And since we uh, looked at the Tenth Commandment in question 113 last Lord's Day, we'll look at question 114 and 115. Question 114. But can those who are converted to God perfectly keep these commandments? Answer, no, but even the holiest of men, while in this life, have only a small beginning of this obedience. Yet so, that with a sincere resolution they, they begin to live, not only according to some, but all the commandments of God. Question 115. Why will God then have the Ten Commandments so strictly preached? since no man in this life can keep them. Answer, first, that all our lifetime we may learn more and more to know our sinful nature and thus become the more earnest in seeking the remission of sin and righteousness in Christ. Likewise, that we constantly endeavor and pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit that we may become more and more conformable to the image of God till we arrive at the perfect perfection proposed to us in the life to come. As far as confession from the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 114 and 15. And dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our catechism, a very biblical confession, asks some very important questions that many of us, maybe even young people, have struggled with. I can imagine children asking this question. I've heard it from many mouths of children, myself. When they ask, when people are saved and they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are born again, when they're converted, in other words, do they quit sinning? Are they sin-free? And maybe you struggle with some of those same questions. Maybe you think to yourself as a believer, why, why do I continue to fall into sin? And maybe why our children would be so confused if, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're filled with His Spirit, why do my parents then, or my older siblings, or my younger siblings, or whoever it might be, friend, why would they continue to sin? Are they not truly born again? Why does sin seem to have so much power in my own life? Maybe that's a struggle in, in your mind, even today, this morning. And maybe sometimes you begin to despair of God's grace and of His mercy. You think, how could God love someone like me? How could He care about someone like me? And you become so confused and torn about who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are important questions. Especially as we've just preached through all Ten Commandments and we found ourselves guilty ten times over. Who are we? Can we keep that law perfectly? Our catechism gives a beautiful answer, doesn't it? By no means. Absolutely not. Not even the holiest of men. 
They only have a small beginning of a new obedience, but they do have a new desire and a new obedience. Well, then maybe you have a follow-up question. If we continue to fall into sin, and we're saved by grace alone, you think about at the end of Romans 5 where Paul is setting forth this glorious doctrine of being made right in in the Lord Jesus Christ, having all our sins covered. And he even says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's superabounding grace. Maybe we should just not spend so much time preaching the law. Because after all, we can't keep it anyway. And Christ's blood has redeemed us from all of our unrighteousnesses and all of our wicked deeds and our law-breaking. So, why preach it at all? Well, that's because God is preparing us by His Spirit to be conformed to the image of His Son and to be received in glory. And so the law is actually very important in that transformation, conforming work of the Holy Spirit. And so, Paul here in Romans 7 and 8 opens up a window into his soul that that we might see a holy man of God struggling with understanding the law and sin in his own life, but never forgetting the salvation that there is in Jesus Christ and the love of God and the grace of God that abounds for sinners such as us. Well, let's look at this with the theme, the law has exposed, as we have preached it, the law has exposed three things. It's exposed our sin, indwelling sin. It's exposed our warfare. And thirdly, it's also exposed our deliverance. First of all, it's exposed our sin. And that's exactly what Paul's getting at here in Romans 7. He confesses it in a summary statement in verse 19 that you just cannot forget because it resonates so much with the, with the heart and life of a believer. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, that what I want to do, that what I desire to do in service to God, I don't do it. I'm not practicing it as I ought to. I find that I fall so far short, even my best works are like filthy rags. And the evil that I know I should not do, that I end up practicing. How can this be? Well, he's looking back. And he looks back and he, he looks at the law and he, even if he could check all the boxes, commandments 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and then he comes to the ninth and 10th, even the 10th commandment especially, he comes to the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. Who of us would say, well, I could check the box on that. And it exposes a heart of all kinds of sinfulness. And he's struggling with that. 
And this is the heart of a believer who's struggling with this. Some people say, well, Paul's really not speaking of as a believer here. He's speaking as an unbeliever. It's not true. Just look at the text a little closer, even verse 18. For I know that in me nothing good dwells in my flesh. For to will is present with me. If someone wills to do good and wills to serve God, that means he's born again. He's a child of God. Even if he's struggling with how to, how to do that will, it doesn't take away from his status as a child of God. A believer. And a believer cannot, and an unbeliever cannot confess in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And an unbeliever would never confess that. There's no delight in the law of God for an unbeliever. Or verse 25, so then with the mind I, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There's no desire in your mind to even serve the law of God as an unbeliever. This is clearly, Paul speaking here, as a believer. One who struggles like every other believer with sin. Even as, as David even. A man after God's own heart. A king after God's own heart. And Nathan comes to him and exposes his sin. Giving him repentance. Pleading for, for God's salvation. To be washed. You read Psalm 51 and you would think this is a psalm of an unbeliever, but it's a psalm of a believer who's confessing his sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself says, if, if, you, if you say you have no sin, you're blind. You, do, you, you don't know what you're talking about because your sin remains. And John picks this up in 1 John 1 verse 8. He even says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we're liars. Paul here understands the reality of sinfulness. And the law has exposed our sinfulness for believers and unbelievers alike. But the difference is, is the relationship to the law as a believer. An unbeliever's relationship to the law is to bring him to death, to condemnation. But a believer's relationship to the law has been changed. Notice what he says in verse 4-6. through six, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Instead of the law becoming death and condemnation to you, you have now become dead to the law, separated to the law, and made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Alive to serve Him rather than alive to serve the law or dead to serve the law. So before grace, we were, Paul says, married to the law. And in that marriage to the law, we were condemned by the law. But now in Christ, we are married to Christ and we want to serve Christ as a wife would serve her husband and her family. Sin then is exposed by the law for a believer. And when we see that sin in light of the relationship that we have with 
our husband, Jesus Christ. And this glorious relationship with him, the best relationship you could ever imagine in all the world. And we see how our sin breaks that relationship and fractures that relationship and tears at that relationship. Then we hate that sin because it's hurting us and hurting our relationship with the one whom we love. And that's why he says, when I see sin in my life and the law is exposing it, it becomes exceedingly sinful and I hate it. I detest it. I want nothing more than to be able to serve Him more faithfully. But what I find is I'm so carnal and sold under sin. Oh, wretched man that I am! Because he realizes we still have this sinful nature in us. And the law exposes that sinful nature. Now, sometimes when we look at this, we think about who we are as those who are saved by the grace of God. New creatures. New creations of God. And yet we think of ourselves as one person. I'm Scott Dibbett and I'm one person. And, and I'm a sinner. And yet at the same time, I'm a saint because of God's grace. And so how do you bring these two together? Well, God, by His grace, has implanted in all those who believe in Him a seed of regeneration and, and a new cre- creation, a new man. And as a new man, you, you find that new man within this one person. And the flesh and, 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 and the old nature is trying to crush that new nature. And the new man, the new nature, is trying to press out and gain victory over the old. That's what's happening. The reality is, sin is real in our lives, and it's inside us. It's not like it's on our, our, our sleeves, where we could get some soap and wash it off and scrub it off and we're all good. No, it's part of us. It's who we are. And that's why Paul is saying, I'm carnal, sold under sin, a wretched man. This sin is indwelling. That's why he hates it so much. It's a disease that's infecting him. He wants to be delivered from this body of death that's surrounding that new nature, seeking to poison it, seeking to drag it away from his relationship with Jesus Christ, seeking to destroy the marriage that God has, has instituted for him and his Savior. And he wants to be delivered from that body of death that's poisoning this relationship. That's the reality. And that's what the law has exposed. And that's why we stand convicted under the law. But we don't stop there. We don't stop there. But we thank God for the preaching of that law to expose that sinfulness and to help us to fight against it. Because the law has also showed us the warfare of a Christian. Isn't that exactly what Paul's saying in verse 23? 
I see a, another law in my members. It's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to that law of sin which is in my members. There's a real warfare going on here as the new man is pressing out and the old man is seeking to crush the new. It's a real warfare. In Galatians 5, he speaks of this tension and this warfare. The flesh is lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to each other so that you cannot even hardly do the things that you know you should. This is real warfare. And yet it comes with a real resolution to break with sin. This warfare is alive and real in every single believer. It's a mark of a believer. As a matter of fact, if you are an unbeliever, you do really not care that much about the law and you have no desire to really keep the law and you have a no, no concern about how it breaks that relationship with Christ because there isn't one. And you're like that fish that's just floating down the stream, down the river, being washed away. But you know a fish that's alive is going to swim upstream. It's going to take effort and swimming against the current of their old nature, as it were. And they swim against the current. And so does a Christian. Fighting. Swimming. Against what's natural for them. In order to find their life in Christ more and more fully. It's so often this life of being a Christian is defined by warfare. Colossians 3, we're called to put to death the members of the body because we're raised with Christ and now we're seeking the things that are above. We have our mindset there. We're, that's our goal. And it's a fight to get there. And in the midst of all of the exhaustion of this fight, in the midst of the sorrows, in the midst of the disappointments, in the midst of the battles that are lost against sin, we cry out again and again, O wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? Because you recognize how devastating this These, lo these losses are. And so you cry out as you press forward. Is that your life? Do, do you understand something of this warfare? Or are you fine just to, just to let's just keep on going here. You see, John Owen wrote this. When sin is neglected, he says, and we neglect the mortification of that sin, it gets victory after victory after victory in the battles. Even for a believer, when we are failing to mortify sin and failing to take sin seriously and failing to esteem God for who He is, what is happening is it breaks our soul. 
It breaks the bones of our soul, he says. It makes us weak, it makes us sick, and it makes us ready to die. We can't look up. We can't be encouraged. And as poor creatures, he says, we take blow after blow, wound after wound, and we never rouse ourselves up in a vigorous oppression. We could expect nothing else than to be laying there bleeding to death. That's the picture you get. Romans 7 and 8. And that's why he says in Romans 8, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what we desire. We desire our outward man, that outward man to perish and to be inwardly renewed day by day. It's a daily battle. Well, how do I win those battles? We look to God and His promises. I thank God through Jesus Christ that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I look to the Spirit to give me new life and, and to renew my life. I put myself under the means of grace, even the preaching of the law, to expose that sin so I can confess it and so that I can fight against it. I pray, give me more of Your Holy Spirit, O Lord, that I might delight in Your law, that I might have this battle, this fight against sin. I pray, Lord, keep me from temptation. Help me not to quench Your Holy Spirit, but give me grace and power through Your Spirit to put sin to death, that I might be alive in Christ, that I might be transformed through the renewing of my mind, conformed to Christ in His image, that I might be more and more like Him, the one whom I'm married to, the one whom I love, the one whom I'm going to. That's, that's the desire of a believer. It gives us a new desire and a new freedom to want to serve Jesus Christ because of the life that He's given. And it all comes through His deliverance. The law not only exposes our sinfulness, and that warfare that a believer's in, but it also exposes the deliverance that Jesus Christ has accomplished. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what gives me liberty. The liberty of the Gospel. That's what delivers me from the bondage of the law. That's what gives me life in the Holy Spirit is this very status that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because there I am delivered from sin and alive in Christ. And when I look at my guilty conscience and I look at my failures and mortifying sin in my life, and when I look and my depraved heart, and I can look to Jesus Christ, the one 
who never failed, even though we fail again and again. I look to His Word, that Word that is from everlasting to everlasting, that Word that will never fail, that Word that always contains a but, but the mercy of God endures forever. That's what I look to. That's what I stand upon. Because that's what my justification is grounded upon, is the finished the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A work that is absolutely suitable. That work that is sufficient for a sinner like me. And the one who I'm buried with in his death has also raised me in newness of life to serve him and to set my mind on heavenly things. This is the one who is preparing me for glory. And the time that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I have this status as one of His, married to Him, until I get to experience that in glory is a lifetime of sanctification. Walking in the Spirit. His deliverance doesn't just stop with giving us a ticket to get to heaven or telling us that we are now one of His, a child of God. But no, He also gives us His Spirit to cause us to cry out, Abba, Father. To cry out, You are my Heavenly Father. And I want to serve You. I want to be Your child. I want to have Jesus as my elder brother. And I want to live for Him. And I want to be married to Him. And I groan when sin comes in my way like the rest of creation. But yet I know that nothing will ever separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's the message of the rest of Romans 8 which we didn't read. That's what motivates us. That deliverance and and the spirit of life that dwells in us is at work to deliver us from the power of sin. And that's why we love and we delight in the law of God after the inner man. No, we have not arrived. There will be many, many battles that are lost in our lives. But the victory in Jesus Christ is absolutely certain. Absolutely. And in Him, there is everlasting life. But what Paul is calling us to is to awake, as he says in Romans 13. Awake! Awake today! Know the time. It's high time to wake up out of your sleep and out of your slumber and out of the fact that you're laying on the battlefield drowning in your own blood. Awake! Rise up! The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Put on the armor of God and His light. Casting off the work of darkness and being conformed to the image of Christ. If you don't know anything about this and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, I ask you, with all the love in my heart, 
what will the law do to you on the day of judgment? Today you're serving it in bondage to it. You're dying in it. And you don't even realize the prison you're in. And you will stay in that prison for all eternity. Don't you want to be free? There's freedom in Christ. Freedom from the law. And it's bondage. And no wonder the law begins in Exodus 22. Uh, sorry, Exodus 20. I've come to deliver you out of the house of bondage. Here is my law. It's not bondage and death, but now you can serve me, serving me with delight and newness of life in peace, in righteousness. And the answer is found in Jesus Christ, the one who has perfectly, perfectly kept the law his whole life and perfectly died a death that would save us from the bondage of hell and to stand before God and say, I did not need Jesus Christ would be the most horrific thing that you could ever do. Come to him today. Find life and freedom in him. And as a believer, come to him again today. Confessing the good that I know I should be doing, I, I don't find myself doing it. And that, that what I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing, but God, have mercy on me. You know I'm a wretched man. Deliver me from the bondage of this death this body of death, and set me at free in the liberty of the children of God that I would serve you today in all the days of my life. That is a blessed life and that is the purpose that I've desired and prayed for you as a congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ as I have preached the law to you in all my weakness over the past months. May God bless, giving new life and giving abundant life by His grace, His superabounding grace. Amen.